0: Well, you
1: can record, too. Let me see.
0: Uh, oh, I don't even want to try. I'm sure it'll fuck it up.
1: I'll just allow you if you want to. Um, anyway. Leave it there. All right. So go ahead and do your, do your famous intro. Um, oh, I, I thought, you your, know. Your signature intro after a day of, a relatively long day of, you know, just driving all over the
0: county. and we kinda, We kind of actually saw each other in person today. I know. Kind of actually,
1: uh, yeah, we did. We did.
0: I mean, we didn't see each it. other's faces.
1: Eh, part of it, like he uh, saw at my one face. One I even took my hat off, and I had yeah, whatever yeah. this is. I, again, like I said, I'm really, I'm glad I shaved my head because when it's growing back, I'm like, oh yeah, I was pretty bald already. It's, it's going back. It's going back. Sorry, right. I'm not getting gray quick at all. Like everyone around me has a little bit of, little bit of gray in there. Their beard or in their hair, but uh, nope. But my hairline is running into history, it's just gone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the salt and pepper above my ears, and it's like slowly starting to spread, spread through. And I'm losing my hair like my dad did, which is like it kind of slowly but surely crawls back this way, and then eventually I'll get a bald spot that appears. But, but yeah, uh, I got got a little one,
1: little one back here. I noticed it. Last year, when I went to a football team, my coach's retirement party, and there were photographs of me sitting at the table, and they were getting shots of me because I was facing the stage, and and it was shots from behind. I'm like, oh, 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 dude. (laughs) (laughs) So old. <laughs> it's all gone. My prime of youth is but a frost of cares.
0: <laughs> That's funny. That's really uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. You know when I notice it is uh, if I sit crisscross applesauce for like mm. more than three and a half minutes and then stand up, it's basically that sitting position is like a time machine. Because when I stand up, I walk exactly how I'm going to walk if I, like, make it to 70. You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly how I'm going to walk at 70 if, I'm, if I make it to 70. But you have to, like, say it that way when you're my height. Because you know how, like, you walk around and you're just like, man, a long time ago, people were shorter. Like, there just aren't a lot of old, tall guys. No, people were the same height a long time ago. <laughs> no, it's just tall guys don't last that long, man.
1: No, no, you're like you're like Great Danes, you know? You're yeah. Like, uh. exactly. Or or Wolfhounds. Exactly. Like how long? Do, wolfhounds are beautiful dogs. How long do they live? Oh, five years. Oh.
0: There's this. Uh, That's bad. Um, I forget what comedian does the joke. Uh, actually, I, I remember what comedian does the joke. I just don't remember his name. Um, but uh, it'll come to me. He's great. He's great, actually. We'll, he'll definitely make the pot at some point, but uh, he has this joke where he's like, you know, when I was a kid, I, I thought that uh, quicksand was going to be a bigger deal. You
2: know, <laughs> know what I mean? Based off of, uh, <laughs>
3: based
0: yeah, off totally. of just like, you know, all the cartoons that you watch and all the looting tunes and everything else, like, you know, every day someone's getting stuck in quicksand. I don't even know anybody who knows anybody who's ever got stuck in quicksand, yeah. you know, but I totally thought that was going to be an issue in life. And then, I, uh, I didn't know as a kid, two things. I didn't understand how I was going to make it even to 45, which I almost am, without somehow killing somebody. I thought for sure I was going to kill somebody at some point. Like, not like on purpose, just like hitting them with a car, by mistake, bumping them off a cliff. I don't know, like something, <laughs> something along those lines. It just feels like, you know, how do you make it so long without killing a person? Uh, that was like a genuine fear when I was a kid, and if you play enough video games, it's like,
1: how do you make it so long just staying alive? You know what I mean like with all the hazards out there, especially if you're playing grand theft auto you're that's like, what I'm saying' you're, you're like, man, how <laughs> like I'm not going to be able to make like twenty before oh, I, I live this long, yeah, right yeah, before I <laughs> yeah. shoot like fifteen cops and also Go, uh you know, bang like twenty hookers. It, it just <laughs> it, because that that happens every day. In that's like how
0: Death I. Autumn. That's how I feel when like for it's like for you. I haven't like dropped this line on you yet since I know you you bike, but I don't know. Like I think you. I feel like you off road bike. Like you don't on road bike so much. Like you're not. I, like,
1: used, I used to when I had a, an actual road bike. I mean, okay. I, I would yeah. So I I learned the geography of this part of uh, Southern California by riding around it, you know, just kind of understanding yeah. the streets. And it's actually re- fairly <clears throat> bicycle friendly.
0: Yeah. I mean, all I'll say is, is that when I meet someone who tells, to- who tells me that they road bike for exercise, my initial thought is it must be nice to like, know how you're going to die. You <laughs> know <what I> mean? <laughs> That's like the thought that I have it must be nice. Yeah. Like I don't is. know. I might get hit by a bus, you know, maybe cancer. I don't fucking know. But like if you're biking on the road,
1: you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> there is that when I when I used to I would ride in New Mexico. Yeah. And you know Albuquerque. And so there were a lot of little trails that were off the beaten path. You could you could good paved bike trails. So you could it was kind of road biking, but so you wouldn't have to get on the streets. Um, but that presented its own hazards. Cause I don't know if you've ever seen any shows that are set in Albuquerque. Yeah. I don't know, like breaking bad or something. No, but those are pretty <laughs> close to true. I, <laughs> I remember cycling along the ditch bank and it's called the Embudo Arroyo An Arroyo. I think you probably know is a big ditch. It's just a big drain. Like that's where the rain from the mountains drains. Yeah. It's a drainage control. Huh. And,
0: the only Arroyo I know was a pitcher named Bronson Arroyo, who pitched Bronson Red Sox. And, yes, and uh, I'm great glad pitcher. to know that that word needs a ditch because he was a Red Sox, so he was a ditch. <laughs> he pitcher. actually pitched well. He, we we hit him, we hit him, but he was kind of an, he was an intimidating pitcher when he came in. But oh, no, uh,
1: he was he was good. I I, yeah, I don't good. know if he was Hall of Fame quality, but I remember him being <laughs> pretty darn good. He was good. Yeah, was, I remember riding along the Arroyo up toward the mountain, which is about. I think it was about eight miles from from my house to the mountain. So you, you get going. But then if you hit it at the right time of day, like right at sunset, then yeah. the the animals begin to come out. And when oh, I see the safe. animals, I mean like the zombies. Like it becomes a zombie town. And people are coming out on, on the ditch bank and they're like eyeballing you. And people? It, what do you mean people? Like, like people like human beings <laughs> that just kind of show up with backpacks and they sit on the edge, of the, or they're walking along the bike trail and you're like, oh, that guy doesn't look healthy. I, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, Who if, are these people? If our less fortunate brethren in the homeless, uh, in, in oh. the homeless sub society live in these ditches. Um, or if it's really just the, proliferation of methamphetamine addicts or there is that venn diagram overlap of the two but they would congregate along these ditch banks and it was like you want to talk about like thinking that just being off the street is safe no it's not man you gotta just you gotta start an extra effort of booking it because it's fucking scary
0: is that why you did it at that time for extra
1: exercise motivation uh no, I guess that would have been an interesting training method. Like, like you got to go full, full EA sports, EA sports, you know, Arroyo Dodge, you know, where you're just like, you know it, it's in the meth. It, yeah. There were times when we used to drive uh, down through town, like down toward uh, my wife's mom's house and you, you'd get, you get you go through some neighborhoods, and um, <laughs> I I would be like, "This is zombie land. Look at this. This is the craziest stuff." Like, oh yeah, dude, yeah. It, it is. Yeah, it's so just, and it's not like, and this is good. This is playing into like the the types of jokes. I have a handful of jokes to give you because I want your perception of things based on some some things that have happened recently. But like, I'm not trying to be pejorative or disparaging. I'm not unsympathetic to people who you know have difficult times in life but a lot of a lot of what i saw was kind of like just it wasn't just base level homelessness it was like people out seeking trouble out seeking to uh engage in things and it was there was no like racial singularity it wasn't like just hispanics or whites or blacks it was like just a mix of everyone who is fairly destitute and terrifying and straight off of the, the casting list for, you know, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I was born in Missouri, but I grew up mostly in the suburbs of New York city. Um, and so even as a young kid, I, rem- you know, I, I remember making trips into New York and um, I mean, you know, 1985, I was 10 and, and, 1985 New York city was a different sort of place oh, than yeah, what it totally. is now, you know? And, uh, like, I definitely have like a I have a solid memory of, uh, you know, walking, um, to I think the Philharmonic with my grandma in midtown and this dude had this other dude up against the wall by his forearm, you know, with like a knife and like one of those 1985, like fingerless glove kind of dealies, like both of his hands, like, in that I remember that. And like, a sleeveless jean jacket, you know, straight out of like, you know, uh, just a movie from that era. And oh, yeah. And straight, it was up. straight
1: off the set of The Warriors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, yeah. And uh, my grandma put me on the other side of her. And as we passed him, she goes, leave him alone. I'll never forget that. You know, just like my my grandma, like saying something. And then we just kept walking. I don't know if he left him alone, but um, <laughs> it was it was pretty like uh, it was pretty, that was a pretty uh, crazy experience, but eventually New York kind of pulled it together um, through some pretty harsh police tactics, obviously. This is like what happens and, um, and uh, you know, gentrified and fucking, um, you know, you, you, don't, you, you see homelessness in New York City, but you just don't see it like you used to once upon a time. Nowadays, the two craziest places in my experience in terms of just like drugs and homelessness, is fucking um, San Francisco in the, uh, what do they call it? The, um, the Tenderloin
1: District? The Tenderloin, yeah.
0: Holy shit. And then the other one is San Jose, just a little bit south. And I, I've been in both. San Jose is the only place in the world where there are homeless people in shirts and ties with like, you know, master's degrees in fucking tech um, and uh, just fucking homeless there in San Jose. And then in San Francisco, like, the homeless situation in San Francisco is nuts because you just have people living underneath people's porch steps, and they just leave them there. Like, they don't bother him, They don't call anyone. They just, oh, that's Frank. He lives underneath the porch step. Um, and uh, the Tenderloin is crazy because, like, even today you go in there, it's like there's someone smoking crack, like, on the street. You know, it's like, what in the fuck? I walked through there once by mistake, and it really was, like,
1: like World War Z. And th- the thing is, San Francisco – is a beautiful town it's a really nice town in so many ways but that that has always been my experience since i think the first time i went was with my mom and brother in the late 80s and we we you know we just did kind of tourist thing we went but it was pretty obvious even then and it was we, I think we ended up in, like, Haight-Ashbury or something. And the yeah, first yeah. thing we saw when we parked – and parking is challenging because you're on a hill all the time. We figured yeah, that yeah. out. But, you know, yeah. we parked, and we got out. Immediately saw some guy chasing another guy and just kicking the shit out of him. Like, Jesus. knocking him down and kicking the shit out of him. And I'm, I'm always surprised at my mom, this, like, small-town New Mexican, how unfazed she really is by, like, that type of violence. She was just like, oh, that's not good. And, but nothing else, like not like, not like. <laughs> ah, call the cops. She was just like, "Oh, that's not good," you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it speaks to speaks to something.
1: There's a story there. Some, something it she's to something. yeah. We should maybe maybe it was a little rougher than uh,
0: San, San Francisco is weird. San Francisco is like is like the um, like tolerances absurd end. Do you know what I mean? Like when you take tolerance. So far that it's just
1: absurd. (laughs) I I suppose that's true where you're, you can't, you're unwilling or can't (coughs) or don't know how to manage those sorts of problems because I think, you know, people do complain about it a lot up there. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, I mean, is it any different in LA or San Diego? I mean, is it, those are three of the largest cities in the country And, you know, Texas also has three of the largest cities in the country as well. And I, I mean, I've been to all of them and I didn't see the type of, um, out, Um, out in the open homelessness that you see in California. The
0: example I gave before of a dude just living underneath the porch step, just sleeping there at night. And that's just where he sleeps and people just know him and that's just what happens. That's like not even like a fake. Like that's a real thing. Like we oh, went.
1: I, <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. We I were up there
0: and we got like one of those. Uh, I forget what you call them. Like you know, you like rent someone's home um, online. Flat switcher. I don't know. <laughs> they call it flat hunter. I don't know. Uh, something like that. Whatever. But uh, but we got one of those time timeshare share, share time oh, Okay. You know what I mean. Um, but we got it for, like, a week or so, and, like, we were staying up there. And, like, they leave, like, instructions. And part of the instructions was, like, yeah, that's, that's Joe. He sleeps underneath the porch step. He's harmless. Don't worry about him. I'm sleeping, like, because it's a whole bunch of us sleeping there, I'm sleeping basically on this, like, window, like, perch. You know what I mean? It's, like, just big enough mm-hmm. to fit my body, and I'm sleeping there. And, like, Joe is sleeping, like, four feet away from me underneath, underneath the porch steps because my part kind of juts out. And so I'm like kind of sticking <laughs> so out crazy. in the house. And Joe is sleeping underneath the porch step, like four feet away from me. It's just me and Joe hanging out, you know. And and I'm sitting there going, like, there's no one to call about Joe? Do you know what I mean? Like, this is the best thing for him. Right. <laughs> I thought he, this was like, what's happening here? <laughs> is he really okay? I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he didn't say anything. He just came and went, you know, and it's just like, whoa. You know. In like right in the heart of san francisco it's like if anyone hasn't
1: guessed by now this is jokes
0: yeah (laughs) i was thinking we might bypass the intro (laughs) but at the same time it would be funny to do it right now because we're keeping all this shit (laughs) it's
1: it's all right it's all right we we're we're in it we're in it wait no let me do the the intro all right, Let me do, do the intro, intro. just
0: because it's funny. Or maybe you do the you do the fucking intro.
1: No, no I'm not, gonna do. I don't, I don't do these things. You don't, don't do, do, do the, do the, the intro. I'll, I'll
0: do the intro. I'll do the intro. All right, everybody, welcome to jokes. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode seven. What is this episode? I think it's episode. Seven. I it beats the shit out of me. It's it's really no, episode eight because there's a lost episode.
1: There is a yeah, lost episode lost. It, that I don't know. It, it it went awry and then it got sort of superseded by world events and so. Yeah. Um, so maybe it'll come back at some point in, in some it. form <laughs> it, yeah yeah if we can revive it if it's possible if we can revive
0: it it's pretty good i i heard the first part of it that like when i started editing it the first part i listened to in it i got some good chuckles out of me so yeah. it was a
1: good episode but <laughs> oh, well, well this one this one like the the idea and i came obviously i came up with it this afternoon because or this evening actually because yeah. when i saw you earlier today um, in person, uh, I, I hadn't had, I had no ideas, no ideas, but, hmm. um, you and I had spoken recently about, um, a certain comedian who got in trouble this week. I don't know if you follow the, uh, the Twitter sphere. Um, oh,
0: Chris D'Elia.
1: Chris D'Elia. That's right. Chris D'Elia. <laughs>
0: D'Elia. 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 D'Elia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes and and your opinion of his stage work or or his his like uh i don't know what it be stadium work his actual long sets um yes. is not high uh no. and Delia is facing you know pretty public allegations of. Essentially, standing at the door waiting for girls to turn eighteen. You know what I mean? Like just kind of—is that what
0: he was doing, or was he looking to meet up with them before they're eighteen? Th-
1: That—that is an evidentiary question for for others to address. Because it sort of looks
0: like, based off of what I read, it looks like he's looking to meet up with them before they're eighteen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, there was some there was some pretty unambiguous flirting but with some also with some caveats in it like oh too young for me but it, it's hard to tell whether he was going to go that direction or he did you know but yeah. in any event he's now uh you know on the from and, and i'm not being an apologist for him I, I think that that kind of stuff is i, I think that's terrible and i, I think what yeah. unfortunately it seems <sighs> it seemed to be a little bit in character with his persona. And that brings yeah. me to the set of jokes that I want to address this week. And it is your Before, case. before you
0: jump into it, yeah. yeah. B- before you jump into it, um, I want to I just quickly agree with you and also add the point that it's totally in character to his per- persona precisely because he seems to present, I mean, Chris D'Elia seems to present as the kind of guy Who's trying to be a lot younger than what he actually is?
1: That's very true, and that, yeah. that was discussed earlier this week um, with others about his sort of obsession with um, physical youth. Yeah. Um, and he'll say things like, "I'm the youngest forty year old you've ever met," yeah. and and also yeah. the the sort of level of of vanity about physical detail, mm-hmm. um, which you don't really you don't really find in comics so much because they're usually so obsessed with what's right between their ears as opposed to what they're, you know, the, the sort of uh, superficialities of the things they see, including themselves. I mean, I think I can't remember which comedian it was. It may have been Norm MacDonald when he talked about Jay Moore coming on the scene. He goes, him. man that's not fair. Like a handsome comedian. You know, that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so yeah, I think I think you're right. And I think that that's uh that's a, a hard it's gonna be a hard pit for him to climb out of and I think that um you know he has some splaining to do or maybe he doesn't maybe it just doesn't explain it. It's uh guys like him don't tend to have a lot of time
0: And because there's, there's uh, such a fine, his type of quote unquote, cool. um, There's a real fine line between that type of cool and douchebaggery. And the person I would point to for that one probably is Dane Cook, right? Because he's sort of like Dane Cook's nephew, not quite young enough to be Dane Cook's son, but uh, he's like just behind him generation wise. And how far did Dane Cook go? You know, I mean he can still do I guess big arenas in terms of a show, but has he, he has he faced similar
1: allegations? Anymore. I mean is Dane I don't Cook's fucking
0: know. <laughs> I don't know.
3: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Don't, I mean don't care. I mean I it's like you feel like the the Grim Reaper looking for it, you know. So I don't I don't really know. Certainly I mean in this it fits the you know, fits the Monday morning quarterback profile looking back on it in terms of, you can say the same thing about, you know, Dalia um, in terms of the trying to like stay young longer than he needed to, you know what I mean? Like, but, um, at the same time, like, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that Dane Cook went from like potential cool, whatever to, um, to, you know, when's the next time he's going to get a movie? Um, and, uh, he just, you know, you just turn into a douchebag pretty quick. I feel like, and I think it's probably the same with Dalia. Like, how you know, how far was he going to go? You know, it, I don't, it, you go ahead. I, I was done. I don't know.
1: It brings me to the question then, and and you've kind of anticipated my theme this week because the term I've been using over the course of the week of bro comics. Uh, or frat comics or that yeah, kind of stuff right the stuff yeah. that that is easy to dismiss as superficial so I thought we'd dig into a little bit with nothing too nothing too long I don't want to really waste too much time on it I think it's more interesting to sort of do a quick compare and contrast with what people would see as relatively superficial uh, comedic approaches and you and I can discuss like the uh, virtues and vices of each because Clearly, guys like Delia got audiences. He would sell out, you know, four thousand seat arenas and, or not arenas, but state, you know, um, venues, mm-hmm. pretty easily. Multiple shows, and that's not, not just bad. that,
0: but but he got major YouTube play with things like, you know, uh, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber being like, um, you know, he, he, I think he's Justin Bieber's favorite comic. Right. And um, he went to a show and Bieber went up on stage and randomly just asked him to roast him. And um, and so he and so he did. And that like that went viral, you know, and, and Bieber kind of like in a way because of his fandom catapulted his career to a sort of a next level in a way. Um, so already, like, I don't know what the age difference is there, you know, what I mean? but like, already it's like you're hanging with Biebs.
3: Yeah, it's you like know,
1: fifteen years—it's
3: about 15
0: a fifteen-year
1: age difference. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's substantial, right? And, and but you know. but he's uh, but Dalia's also been that that guy who's like trying to continue to be like the part of the Instagram generation, part of the social media revolution, and always yeah. be contemporary with his musical tastes. And I I do appreciate that. You know, he certainly keeps apprised of you know the hip hop scene, which I have not been apprised of, and. A lot of years, you know, and so there's that's interesting, but is that even enough to is that is that anything more than than part of this whole uh vanity or unreasonable hanging on? When I saw him for the first time back in 2011, I thought, yeah, this guy's super talented, um, but his material isn't exactly what I'd call real deep, um, yeah. Yeah, and I would hope that you know, as he got a little bit older and things changed, that it looks like we're never going to find out, frankly, whether it's ever going to mature beyond. I mean, if there is some sort of sea change that's going to happen, it would be with you know what happened over the past week. But yeah, uh, you know, uh,
0: I mean, he'll get. I mean, uh,
1: he'll unless he goes to jail. You know, But Louis C.K. never came back. He came back. He's trying.
0: Yeah. He's I mean, he, he's 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 touring. He's making actually. His he's touring toured. And, that's
1: true. That's true. He's played a know. lot. He's played a lot of big. He played the improv. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, his story is certainly crazy, but it's um, I don't know. It's comebackable. Different. It's comebackable. I feel like of of all the different kinds of stories, you know, and a lot of it's also kind of if you're just sort of a douchebag. You know, when you look at like Chris Hardwick, he was one of those uh, Me Too guys, but his was just like an ex-girlfriend reporting that he was just kind of a douchebag, kind of like a dick, <laughs> you know. It wasn't even like, you know, that he did anything so terrible. It was just that he was sort of a dick.
3: Yeah.
0: And um, and and everything kind of fell apart for him. And And in a way, it was just... You kind of have to wonder, like, well, did everybody else think he was kind of a dick?
1: <laughs> right, because it doesn't seem like the the allegations of one person, because who doesn't have an ex that thinks that they're a complete That d- you're a dick? Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean uh, exactly. And you know why they think that you were a douchebag? Because you probably were a douchebag to them. Could yeah, you know? to, to to them specifically, yeah. but if it but if it's a it's something you carry with you to other people, then that's yeah. Uh, then that has a greater ripple effect because then it seems like an endorsement of a judgment that you may have and then yeah. permission to just be like, okay, screw that guy. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, so what we're going to listen to... <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you bring? Is Chris D'Elia. Oh, are you and, serious? <laughs> and... Dane Cook and and then a, a few others that, because I mean I think that they're they're difficult to they're kinda like difficult personalities to, to like. One of them is not, one of them is really good. And, uh-huh. and I, I think that but but I decided, you know what? Well I mean I can't just say like I can't just make this like a pick on Chris Delia and Dane Cook episode. <laughs> I have to broaden it. So I just decided I'd poke around for like who do people consider like uh like frat or bro comics right and and i didn't want to stick around delia's friends per se cuz we know he has a little crew we know he yeah. has you know we, he has Brian Callen and he has yeah. Brennan Schaub, and yeah. i've seen both of those guys uh live and i think they're actually pretty good you know i mean yeah there's that there's that similar obsession with the superficial at least by by Brian Callen, but and there, there's also some life experience in depth, you know, Brandon yeah. Chobb used to get his ass beat as a MMA fighter yeah. and, uh, and Brian yeah. Callen has had this broad world experience. Um, it's
0: yeah. And it gets tough to define because in a way when you think of it, I mean, Joe, Joe Rogan is sort of the, the chief, right. Yes. Yeah. Of that crew but at the same time, is he really a frat boy comic? Because he's definitely got like a lot going on in his head. You know, he,
3: he,
1: he tends to, yeah, his, his pod is a huge pod and he draws interesting people and he evokes interesting conversation and things that make the news, like not in a terrible way, in an interesting way. I mean, also in some kind of a terrible and interesting way, like when Elon Musk smoked weed with him on his podcast, that was yeah. that definitely shook a lot of people's uh,
3: world. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. But, yeah. And, yeah. and,
1: and so I, I think Rogan, there's a maturity there and maybe some, just a, a temperament that differs from, others. And before I play them, and, and we can always edit out some of these. I mean, like before I play a joke by any of these guys, you know, I want to have, you know, some sort of discussion about your thoughts. I think you've already discussed Chris D'Elia, You've already discussed uh, Dane Cook. So as we go along with a couple others, then maybe we can uh, talk about it. So I'll yeah. play the Dalia yeah. here if I can find, I got to pull it up. All right. um, Should we look up to see if Dane
0: Cook has actually had a Me Too moment? I feel like oh, we've heard good. about it. I don't think he has. I mean, yeah. I'm going to look up right quick.
1: Yeah, please do. And, uh, Let's pull see. Up. Oh. When I, as soon as I the second headline is Dane Cook and 19 year old girlfriend, Kelsey Taylor hit yeah, but the a, beach during Hawaiian vacation, 45 year old Dane Cook. So he's my age. Um, he's yeah. Almost my age. 19 year old Kelsey Taylor. I mean, so what?
0: Yeah. It's not a me too. It's not a me too thing.
1: No, no it's not. Yeah. All right. I don't know. That's all I got so far. You can keep researching. All right, but I'm going to play. Yeah, gonna... <laughs>
3: it's
1: it's creepy. It's creepy, but uh
0: definitely creepy. It's definitely creepy. We can we can we can say it's creepy. I mean, but but you can't you can't cancel him cuz it's not illegal.
3: It's just right. awful creepy.
1: Right. Right, and and frankly, the whole idea of canceling a person, it's not so, it's not so much canceling. It, it's, I mean, I have no ability to quote unquote cancel a person. It is the way that people decide to present the information and let others decide whether they want to continue to uh, patronize this person's service or product or whatever they've got. That's the cancellation. Yeah, yeah. You know, that it's not attuned with the social mores that we uh, we generally decide well, all that want.
0: stuff is yeah all that stuff is is crazy i mean you know on on one hand like yeah you know i, I don't i don't really want to listen to anything by chris DeLia anymore but i also didn't really want to listen to anything by him anymore anyway
1: and, you Yeah, know? no, i i don't think you yeah you didn't like him to begin with i mean there was just and that was just uh. based on on uh, aesthetic preference and uh, I didn't
0: hate him you know like there, there are videos of him like doing crowd work um, and uh, he, he he was there are the moments where he's all right but typically in those moments the crowd is what's making it funny that not so much him you yeah. know um, he's just kind of repeating what the different people in the crowd do and then giving a laugh so those moments are kind of funny but he never translated that stage presence to his shows you know to yeah. his like his specials is uh, just like a really different comic during his specials than he is on stage. And there are comics that do it like Chris Rock. When he's working out material, he's not doing the Chris Rock thing. He just starts out, nor- you know, just talking, trying to work out material. And then when he finds the funny, then he starts doing it the Chris
1: Rock way. Then he kind of layers that, um, right. pers- that That personality, that, right. uh, that style that he's developed for the past 30 years onto. Yeah. Onto that material. On the material that he's, that he's created. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, let's hit, let's hit, let's hit. I don't know. Let me see if you can hear, let me see if you can hear it. First. Don't do it like you did it before. <laughs> Are you doing it like you did it before? <laughs> oh, you mean, oh, through the, uh, through that. Okay. I'll just do it. I'll do it on my phone then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how it got fucked up. <laughs> do it, do it, uh, do it on your phone. And then if we have to, because like for the last one, I just, I just dubbed it. Like oh, I You yeah, can
1: do that then. It's nice.
0: Yeah. All right. let me find. So we're starting with Dane Cook?
1: No, let's start with Chris
0: Let's start with Chris D'Elia, with Chris D'Elia. okay.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it doesn't matter anymore how cool you look, what you drive, nobody cares. There's other cars out there with dudes in them. Girls don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter, you need to come in at an angle, man. Like, you need to be cool. Like, that's why I see British dudes with the hottest girls ever, especially in LA. British dudes walk around with the hottest girls ever because they look regular, but then when they talk, they're like, hello, how are you doing? <laughs> Right, girls can't mess with that. Just hello, how are you? "Ah!" Are you for real? Yes, I am, quite for real. Hello, you look beautiful in this outfit you put together. I would like to take you to the library or whatever they say. I don't know. Though I haven't read all the books. Hey, how come when British people walk around they always have their heads wobbling like? What, they always have their heads wobbling like that. They do it, they'll <laughs> You know what they do that? Because they'll go to the library, read the books, gain the information, and then just kind of jostle it around in their head. Okay? <laughs> go to the library, check out a bunch of books, read them, and then just bounce it around in their dude. That's what they'll do. Literally, I'll literally do that. British people always say literally. They say literally way too much, man. They say literally, it's like they're trying to prove how British they are. I'm literally British. Literally, I'm literally British. They'll say oh and they don't even need to. You'd be like, you'd be like, I literally ate a hot dog. You know? <laughs> like, what do you mean, you had lunch? No, I literally stuffed it in my mouth to where I literally chewed it up with me incisors till it literally sh- traveled down me esophagus at a snail's pace to where it literally stayed in my stomach region for literally like four hours until I literally expelled it out of me You <laughs> Yo, one time I was talking about British dudes on stage like this and afterwards, of my show, he got so mad. He was, yo, British dudes get mad. He was like, uh, he came up to me. He was like, oh, uh, hey, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> I was like, what's up? He was like, first of all, we don't know talking all that. <laughs> I'm like, that's cool, but then you got to change your voice immediately. <laughs> Cause that's exactly how I just sounded. You know what I mean? Oh, wrong, yeah, wrong, wrong, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Good one, yeah, yeah. You're never off, huh? You're never off, even when you're off stage. You're still singing them, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, you got Moxie, don't you? Ah, I listen, yeah, yeah. I listen to it all, you know. yeah. When Brit, you threaten me. When British dudes threaten you, you don't know what's going on at all. They just, they say. They, they speak English, but they just say things. You don't know if it's good or bad or what. They'll just be like, you keep talking to me like that. You keep yapping off at the nanners. Let's just see what happens. You keep chomping them clambettes. I'll get the Stoozie boys to vote up on you. I'll leave you off for your main street. If your pants are around your ankles and the a lollipop, in your mouth. You're like, yo, is that a party? I don't even know what you mean. Yeah, it's a party, bugger off, chat, we'll see what happens. I'll come over bright and early and literally do grant work in your bathroom. <laughs> You're like, for free? I don't even really know yet. <laughs> yeah, man. British dudes, man.
1: Okay. So, how much of that did you hear? I heard most of it. And
0: actually, I've heard that routine before. I remember that special.
1: Okay, all right. Yeah. So I picked one that I didn't find, and I, I like to hit the ambiguity. I, I picked one that I didn't think was like terrible. Yeah. But but I I didn't. I want to ask you, good or bad? I mean, what do you think?
0: Well, here's the thing. On one hand, full disclosure, I've used it. Like I've full on used it. We we know like a British family. And we were having some conversation. I remember like one of them saying to me, like, just Americans say the word awesome. I don't think they understand what the word awesome means. And I'm like, whatever. You say the word literally, literally all the time. <laughs> so fuck off with your we use the word awesome too much and not correctly. You know what I mean? And I just had that in the ready because I remembered that from that special. And I think that's a pretty funny observation. Like I don't I can't think of any other comedian that's made it. I'm not saying that, like, I wouldn't have been able to come up with that one on my own. But when I heard it, it was like, oh, yeah, they do say literally all the time. <laughs> like, you know, so, like, that's a, that's a thing. So, like, that part of it, I appreciate. But, like, I mean, what he's doing is that, is, is that four
1: work. minutes? You
0: that's four minutes, that thing?
1: Three minutes and 40 seconds, something like that. That's a lot the whole thing? of time.
0: Yeah. That is a good amount of time. That's a good amount of time. And, you know, I, I don't think what he's doing is that brilliant. You know, I think he's having like a really rudimentary conversation about just what the British accent sounds like. And I think there's a hundred million different other ways that you could go at it that are like great, you know, and it's like, I don't know. That's like a different, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So like Pete Holmes, does this bit about the British accent where he talks about that you can't go to a British person for empathy because they just like hit it right back at you. And like, I, I can't really do that accent that great, but like, it's something like, you know, um, you know, like, yeah, my, my, my mother got sick and, um, and then the British person would say, um, oh yeah, you know, like something like, uh, um, you know, uh, it's tough, isn't it? You know? (laughs) And it's just like, like hitting the, you know, there's no like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, what awful news. It's like, like, yeah, sounds like, you know, difficult news, doesn't it? You know, (laughs) it's just like knocking the empathy right back. And I, like, I just find that to be a much more sophisticated interpretation and therefore like more enjoyable to hear. This guy is just doing sort of like, this is what British people sound like. Isn't that funny? You know I mean? Like, Remember that scene in um, in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, the Paul Red character when he meets um, the British guy—I forget his name—and he goes and he says something in an act, in his you know British accent, and the Paul Red goes, uh, "You sound like you're from London." <laughs> yes, I do. I do.
1: That was um, what's his name? Uh, Russell... Russell. uh Simmons. Russell Brand. Russell Crow.
0: Russell. Oh, Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Yeah, one of Russell the
3: Russell Brand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah he's like you sound like you're from London I th- that was like so fucking brilliant because like now every time I meet someone with an accent like I just want to do that
1: right know? Now, the, the way that Paul Rudd did that was truly hilarious truly it was hilarious because it's so preposterous yeah so it almost well it is intentionally not funny and that makes it wickedly funny like just brutally funny um, yeah so that's that's what i i guess one of the things like you see i don't want to belabor this joke i just wanted to get impressions of your thoughts on it like he introduces it in the context of how women react to the accent right and that is a sort of fundamental theme i think of a lot of stuff is like how um how do women perceive me or how are, yeah. am i perceived you know like yeah. his famous bit which i referred to a little bit ago was drunk girls you know the drunk girls yeah. Bit, right yeah i mean yeah. that's that's the christly a bit if ever there was one and it's really i mean it could be taken as misogynist. it could be taken as uh hilariously observational it could be any number of things but what it is is um a, a not overly ruminative um ex- exploration of how um women perceive him and he perceives them back and it's the same yeah. here and yeah. i'm not trying to get like armchair psychiatrist or anything but that's thematic in a lot of his stuff and when he's not dealing with that he's just uh in fact, I wish he were more off the wall. I wish he were more like Theo Vaughn. You know, which, yeah. like Th- Theo, who just sometimes you're like, man, that was a beautifully unexpected non sequitur from this. Like, wasn't he on Road Rules or something? I mean, like, he was yeah. on some MTV show. Like, this yeah. like should be superficial, like, uh, cracker. You know, it's like, no, that dude's got a lot going on.
0: <laughs> he's got a lot to say. He's yeah. got a lot to say. And he's, and he's really well aware that in the world that he's walking around in, he is not the typical person in terms of what his background is and where he comes from. Oh, yeah. I mean, dirt, dirt, poor Theo Von. You know, like, like really, really. And, um, and you know, had some experiences growing up that he's lucky enough that he had a sense of humor to face it because he now can talk about it in a way that's, like, really creative and great. Like, you don't know. Nothing about Crystalia's humor tells you anything about him unless you're reading between the lines of his humor to figure out, like, what his interests really are. I mean, like, (laughs) he he has a couple, he has a routine where he does a Japanese accent. Have you ever heard him do his Japanese? It's, there's, no, i've heard accent. him do
1: his russian his russian is hilarious um but not the japanese accent
0: the japanese accent is is sort of is is ridiculous i mean it's it's just taking he's doing the same thing he does with the british accent he's taking a sort of a musical quality to it and then sort of dividing it by 10 i mean multiplying it by 10 and then you come up with that you know with that sort of way of talking um yeah. and he does this bit where like you know, Japanese guy is trying to say McDonald's and he's, a Mac- he's like McDonald's or something like that. <laughs> and it's just, it's it's like, obviously race humor, but it's, it's also sort of very silly. You know, that's like kind of what he's going for there is like very, very silly. And it's the same thing with the accent piece here. But like, if you have a buddy who does accents, like that's going to be the dialogue that they come up with is what I'm saying. Like if I'm going to a museum, I don't want to see something that like a really good, but not famous artist made. <laughs> I want to see something right. that a master makes, you know what I mean? And and that's how I, that's sort of how I feel about Chris D'Elia. Like he's, he didn't get the accolades because his comedy deserved it. He got the accolades because he presented himself in a certain way that, that seemed marketable, I guess is uh kind of the point yeah. I made.
1: And it, and it, it turned out to be right. I mean, yeah. he's a relatively good looking guy. he, Um, seems to be pretty responsible as far as his work ethic goes. Uh, he puts out material, uh, reliably and he works, he works the LA scene and he's from LA and his family's been in show business for at least one generation. And so he's, you know, he's there, he's a known quantity. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's that, that, that's it. Okay. So you got that. And I, I think, I mean, that's great. And then let's go to uh, Dane Cook. Um, this
0: definitely, by, by the way, you know, even outside of the, um, of the, you know, the past couple of days and all the stuff that's been going on with Dalia in terms of high school girls coming out and talking about him propositioning them, um, yeah. even beyond that stuff, there, there isn't a lot of, you know, there isn't really much in his material that speaks to, you know, anything related to maturity. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there isn't like a perspective there.
1: um, Exactly. 100%. um, Yes. And that's, that's been, that goes back to what I said earlier is like, there's just, God, I hope he gets something a little bit deeper. I hope that the the world experience that he he has over the next, you know, five, 10 years gives him, you, I mean, you kind of saw it with Louis CK, who's more talented, I think by, by far, you know, Louis had, those really weird things uh back before his before his stand up like took off, which was I think was like- t- two thousand four two thousand five when it really just started launching like a rocket yeah um he had good writing gigs, he had good sketch gigs, but he didn't have a sort of um life experience that he drew on to become the relatable comic he was. Yeah. For so many years, yeah. I mean, he had you know, like he wrote Pootie Tang, didn't he? With uh, Chris I know. Yeah, yep. and, and and so that's you know that's fascinating and the 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 intensity of his creative talent. Um, but when he started talking about you know being forty and being a dad and then being forty-five, being a dad, being fifty, and being a dad, and then getting busted for whatever he did, right? And then he kind of he fell away. Um. Mm-hmm. That, that was a type of, um, life experience and the trust that he built with his audience over those years was very strong. So people were very loyal to that yeah. and, and he didn't disappoint because his material was typically pretty, um, perceptive, even if it was, you know, some of it was, you know, okay. I don't think that's, I don't think that way, Louie, but I get your point. It's funny, you know, good, good, good job.
0: Yeah. I mean, he does, he, he does what a lot of guys do where they're really looking at it and see like, well, is there a way that I can do, like he, he's the only white comic I can think of that actually says the N word. Oh yeah. I remember
1: that bit. I remember that bit. Yeah, sure. He
0: says it in almost every special, you know, when you look like he, he, he says it. I
1: I guess I didn't realize that.
0: He's, he's got one. I forget if it's the same special, but he has he's got one where he calls a deer the N word. Yes,
1: yes, he, the N word, and then like he takes all of the impermissible words mm-hmm. and he strings them together. Yeah. But he he weaves them together in a way that like you're kind of like oh he just said that and uh, that works and somehow no one's gonna lose their mind over it like that's it seems, kind of amazing. It seems to be allowed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And, um, that's, that's the type of development that you you see with really strong comics. And so maybe it isn't that surprising that he's making some sort of a comeback whether people like it or not.
0: Did you hear his special, his post scandal special? No, you can get it. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not. Is it from his website? It's just on YouTube. You know, it's just like one of his posts, whatever. And he, and he starts it by essentially saying like, not talking about it, but talking indirectly about it by saying like, man, it has been an awful year. Have you ever had one of those just like, fuck, like awful, like fuck, this year fucking sucks. Oh God, this is the, it's just, you start laughing at yourself, like at how much like this year sucks. Like, could it get worse? Like this year is the worst. And he just like starts like, he just starts to special by doing that. And, um, and the truth is you might not be able to relate to, you know, coercing a subordinate to watch you masturbate, but, um, you can relate to an awful last year, you yeah. know, and then all yeah. of a sudden it's like you're coming with him again, you know? Um, so it's just, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes not quite a full come, <laughs> comeback, but, um, a comeback nonetheless, you know? Yeah to sure. a certain extent, but, um,
1: yeah. there's always, there's going to be a lot of pushback on it, no matter what.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. No question. Um, well, but yeah, I don't, I don't love Crystalia. I don't love Crystalia. Um, let's go to your other favorite. Go ahead. The material. <laughs> what? The material. What? What material? What was I going to say? You were saying the material. Uh, I was saying, I, I just don't love it. I don't love it. It's, it's simple. It's too simple.
1: You know? Okay. Let's go to your other favorite comic. Let's go to Dane Cook. Dane Cook. And this this one I chose, honestly, I'm choosing these, a lot of it based on length, because I don't want to spend eight minutes, like,
3: listening I thought
0: thematically we were just looking at a douchebag white guys, based off
1: of just (laughs) what's going on in the world. Yeah. (laughs) I I think that's fair, but I just don't want to spend... I I don't want to have to belabor a long joke. Like, I just want to... It, it, it for me there there's you can get a taste of what you and I are discussing and and we can have at least some sort of reasonable objective discussion I think based on yeah some of the shorter bits you know the British guy bit where you're like okay there's some funny stuff in there yeah, it's, but it's, you know, it's not you know it's not earth-shaking it's not the seven words you yeah. can't say on television you know no.
0: <laughs> like, but if you want to look at like a comic like if if De, if if in this style of comedy, Delia is borrowing from anybody, he's borrowing from Dana Carvey, who whose whole thing in impressions is just is impressions. Music, yeah, yeah, is is the musicality of the sound of what the people are saying. You know, like he does this whole bit of like Jimmy Carter, where it's just like I got peanut butter shoes, peanut butter socks, peanut butter, <laughs> right. belt, peanut butter hair, peanut butter shirt, peanut butter pants. You know, and it's that's just the whole thing is peanut butter this, peanut butter that, and it's just like because of the like, just like how it sounds, it's like playing a musical instrument. But like even that, like peanut butter higher, peanut butter better, like like that's fucking brilliant, and, and like you could see why that's like it, so it's funny. La-
1: layer upon layer of absurdity, and a, kind of a, a commentary on what people would fixate on with this very important figure, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's not. It's not simply, it's not a generalized thing. It's more of a commentary, it's a deeper commentary than just talking about the fact the guy was a peanut farmer.
0: Right, but, but it's like almost as if his brain goes to the deeper commentary as a reflex because he's a deeper person. Maybe, whereas, yeah. whereas with Dalia, you know, it's still like, well, look, listen to the musicality of this accent, um, but all he can do is like, you know, sort of like the JV level as opposed to, like, the NBA, <laughs> like, an all-star <laughs> that Dana Carvey is, you know, right. with kind of how he does it, you know. Oh, man, like, Dana Carvey does this routine of a uh, Scarface, this this impression of Scarface at the Thanksgiving dinner table, and it's unbelievable. It's so funny. I've heard him do it in a bunch of different places, and it's like, you know, it's like... <laughs> I can't believe you made the crime. I can't even do it. I can't even do it. (laughs) Uh,
1: I'll look it up. I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it. It's, uh,
0: yeah, we'll pull that up. He was on, he did like, he did like a six part thing on Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Have you come across that podcast? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I know that pod. So Carvey came on and did like something like three or six episodes or something where it was just like, just impressions, just all impressions. And everyone just dying to his impressions. I mean, and, you know, Conan O'Brien knows how to, knows how to, he knows how to yes and. And so he's just bouncing things off of him left and right. And it's, it's amazing. It's
1: amazing. All right, let's do some, let's do some Dane Cook. All
3: right.
1: <laughs> 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 no, I do want to do more Danny and Carvey. I want to, I want to push the pod along though too, because I think that. We could, we could honestly go do. We could do a whole thing on Dana Carvey.
0: We, we I mean, should do a whole thing on Dana Carvey.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's now in his sixties. He's uh, people think he's disappeared to some extent. He did. I mean, but why not? I mean, it's because he wanted to. Yeah, he yeah. Um, the Dana Carvey show
0: had the absolute. Dictionary definition of murderers row of writers and performers who were on there with him. Who's there? Did you ever hear the list of the writers that was on the Dana Carvey show? This is worth it. tell me. Holy fuck, dude. Um, Okay, Uh, writers on Dana Carvey show. And post-mortem, that show went for just like one season and um and uh po- the postmortem of that show is that it was um probably the um the greatest like sketch show talk show of all time maybe except for maybe wow. Chappelle. um I, but it I lasted just pulled so hold it up jesus yeah. christ impressive so Dana Carvey, Steve Carell, Bill Chott, Stephen Colbert, Elon Gold, Heather Morgan, Peggy Shea, Robert Smigel, James Stevens III, and Bob Odenkirk. And Lu- Louis C.K. And Louis C.K. for a
1: bit. Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman for a bit. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's the 27 Yankees, man.
0: There's a, uh, there's a bit you can find online of a young... Uh, Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert doing a piece called uh, Waiters Who Are Nauseated By Food. And if you've never seen that before, you need to, and by you, I mean you and fucking everybody else hearing this needs to press pause on this shit right now and watch it immediately. And we should probably just fucking do that (laughs) because it is like one of the funniest things you could possibly encounter. My God.
1: Let's put that. Let's 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 put that in a future jokes.
3: I think this would right. be really
1: interesting. I think a discussion of Dana Carvey and his people from that show and how, you know, and how they they develop. I mean, it's a lot like looking. I mean, Odenkirk was in there. odenkirk Kirk's been in a lot of stuff um, as a writer. As a writer, his his writing credits are heavy. He was also on Mister Show, right? And so, yeah.
0: Yeah, you but know, this is this was Stephen Colbert's shot. This was this was his. He got discovered onto this show.
1: What was he doing before? Was he like Second City?
0: He was like doing Second City. He just had a baby. Um, he sent in this crazy ass video with his baby where he was like pretending to cry because like how was he going to feed his baby unless he got this job? <laughs> oh,
2: my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, and I just had this baby. And that was like the that was like the audition video that he sent in. And Carvey thought it was hilarious. And so he hired him.
2: That's and awesome. like
0: he was on the tonight show with Colbert. And he was like, Yeah, you're the one. And the whole show, he was like, you know, you're the one that gave me my start. Like you're the one that like made it so that it could happen. And he was the biggest star in SNL. He like saved SNL,
3: basically. Oh yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So yeah, we we could definitely do a deep dive in him. You just you know you got me all riled up with these douchebags today. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> no no, but you're you're going into oh, you're going man. into the great into the great comics and like I've for years I've undersold Carvey, but I realize that like I I I refer to Chop and Broccoli at least once a week, at least. I mean, come on, it's part of my it's part of my my. Lexicon of references like I mean stories. I have not
0: yeah, I have not driven my church lady impression out of the garage in about thirty five years, but it is there <laughs> you know what I mean like ready to go when that shit comes right. back it is there, you know
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. and
0: Hans and Franz come on i I was, I, was yeah. me and my buddy were the two best hans and Fra- Hans and Franz impersonators at camp one summer. And uh, no one else even did it around us because we were so good at it. And everyone wanted to do it, but they couldn't keep up with us because we were the best Hans and Franzes. Hanses and Franzes.
1: Two things, and we'll get, we'll, get back to, we'll get back to the Bro Comics in a second. Yeah, in the late 80s, it was probably 89, there was a talent show at my high school. I remember Greg Christopher, who's now some millionaire real estate developer in San Francisco, uh, probably has a few homeless people under his uh, stoop. Like, and uh Pete Ettinger, who's an editor in Hollywood, they mm-hmm. did Hans and Franz. And it was, I mean, they were the funny guys, right? Every every class has the funny guys, right? Every yep. high school class. Yep. They yep. were the funny guys. And they did Hans and Franz. Yeah. And I will always associate it with them, not only with Kevin Neal and, and, and Dana Carvey, right? It, yeah. It's it's with the people you knew who did it at the time that it was going to be done
0: it was and and there's a succession in terms of who which kind of character comedians you do like based off of when you're in school so our generation is like Hans and Franz church lady you know um the stevenator right like like those <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. characters Rob Schneider, right yeah 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 the stevenator might even be a little bit older for me you know but like that like that it's just slightly
1: a couple years yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, we used to do Colon Blow. Remember that commercial? Cold oh yeah, Blow? I
1: remember that. Yeah,
0: but then like following us, like the kids that I was like their, their camp counselor for them, it was like John Wazama. and then for the kids who were like were their camp counselors, it was Chappelle, mm-hmm. right? Like, like um, it just was kind of this succession like that, and then after that, it went back to SNL again, back to you know, only this time it's like Will Ferrell and like those guys, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, Cowbell. Leon Phelps. Leon Phelps was the character that that a lot of kids used to do. Like when I was like the kids who I taught in religious school back in like 2001, they were doing like, my name is Leon Phelps. Like, Oh my, <laughs> 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 that, that character. Oh, that was a really funny character. You but, know, when,
1: uh, when you say, uh, Daniel Carvey, there was, I believe there was only one sketch with this guy, with this particular performance. And mm. it comes to mind as one that was just, uh, it, it, I still think about it. It still makes me laugh. I is was Massive Head Wound Harry. Do you remember that? Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Massive Head Wound Harry is... And I think, Dave didn't David Spade, a young David Spade, play the Head Wound Harry guy?
1: Uh, let's see. Massive... M- it might have
0: been It wasn't like one of the... Who played the Massive Head Wound uh, Harry? I, I thought it
1: was Dana Carvey. I don't,
0: I don't think so maybe
1: no it was Dana Carvey yeah was it yeah oh, God. yeah he him and uh like... it was him and it was uh Chris Farley <laughs> in that sketch and it's just hilar- hilarious I, I I saw it I think I must have seen it uh when it was on live the first time because I'm like what the fuck is going on yeah um, yeah that was and, a really funny character. The with the dog then, right?
0: Which dog? Uh the dog, well, the dog would come in, up and and start to like lick and eat the, the head wound. Yeah, and yeah. start to like butt chomp down and try to pull it off th- his head.
1: <laughs> and then the other character really perhaps there? not perhaps not okay now nows the days the effeminate heterosexual.
0: I don't remember that character at you all. You don't
1: remember that? All no. Right. when you're done, go look no. it up. I'll
0: have to go look it up. You remember um, Tom Hanks and uh, uh, oh God, what was, John, um, uh, what was Lovitz.
1: John Lovitz. John Lovitz.
0: Yeah, yeah. John, John know, Lovitz Hanks. and yeah. Tom Hanks. Whenever Tom Hanks would come on, would do these characters, and they would stand on the street and try to pick women up. But the way they would do it is they would go, hello. And the woman oh, would just yes. walk by, and they oh, would go, yeah. and goodbye.
3: Good she did not
0: bye. even look. <laughs> my head is way too big for my body. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes, that was that was uh kind of that was part of the comedic uh quotable paradigm of my high school experience. Yeah. And yeah. uh because I had no friends, I wouldn't quote it myself. I would watch others quote it to their friends. Yep. And so yep. I remember these things. I distinctly remember my camp
0: counselor is going to the Billy Crystal routine. I forget who he did it with, but it was a thing that was like, um, you ever take one of those, uh, oh, yeah. you know, like yeah. would go meat was- thermometers?
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you ever, uh, and you go shove it in your ear? Yeah, yeah. You ever, I hate that. Don't you it hate that? was that year. <laughs> it was that year. I remember that. Yeah, exactly. You ever put your hand, like you just. You come up with a totally improvisational thing you could do. Like, you ever take your your hand and put it in one of those waffle irons? Yeah, yeah. yeah." (laughs) Make up shit. That was him, and that was the year that they brought on all of these, like, established stars, including Billy Crystal, to be on SNL to try to save it from oblivion. And it was within Uh the first 10 years of SNL, Billy Crystal came out. I think Christopher Guest, wasn't it Christopher Guest?
0: Maybe I don't remember, but it was funny was,
1: who was the other uh, security guard in that yep. scenario. So yeah. let's see here. Christopher guest SNL. Um, yeah, it totally was right. Cause he was on there and he was like, these are, these are big dudes um, yeah. who were already doing stuff already you know. well established. I mean, I yeah. think Billy Crystal had been on soap, he was the first shows.
0: ever, he played the first ever character. Gay with character. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Strangely enough, I used to watch that with my dad.
3: I don't I know used why to he let me as a watch kid.
0: it. Yeah, they yeah. were like, it was like on reruns or whatever. And I'd watch it. And that he looked like he was like 12 years old. He did. It was he crazy.
1: He, he was really young. But by yeah. that point, I mean, he was already established. And I think, you know, they were trying to save it, it as a good show. So he did you know the, the what we've Diet Pepsi commercials. Uh you look marvelous. Oh it's uh the marvelous. Lorenzo Lamas. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. look marvelous. And, and again, more just marvelous. quotable and uh, uh characters that you can just you can play. Like every yeah. every idiot kid would say that. I mean it's a very middle school, high school kind of thing to do. You can make a list of
0: those things. You know, you go to Wayne's World, you go to Beavis and ButtHead, you go to, you know, think about the fact that, like, didn't um,
1: uh, I, I quoted Beavis and ButtHead today because we were playing cornhole. You know that game, yeah, cornhole. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I said I am yeah. cornhole. Yeah, and Una went like this. She like pulled her. He knew. <laughs> he knew it. Yeah, because I had introduced it to her, and so she raising started, your kids right, man. Thanks, your kids right. Doing my best. Yeah. You know, Mike Judge went to Megan's high school. So it all kind of comes together, man.
0: <laughs> when uh, when Noah was two years old and just like kind of starting to like talk babble, whatever, I taught her the Ferris Bueller ring recording from the movie. <laughs> so nice. she would like go under the covers and I would go ding dong and she would pop up and she would go, Oh, I ain't Dari." I can't come to the door right now. I'm afraid in my weakened condition. I could take a nap to go down the steps and subject myself to further school absences. <laughs> and she would go, you could beat my parents at their place at the business. <laughs> I'd give myself a high five every single fucking time she did that. that was yeah.
1: yeah, You got you to build the comic foundation. Yeah, um, from the beginning. I, I, I almost feel as though this conversation has been...
0: Um, have I done it? I, have I talked us out of fucking having to listen to Dane Cook?
1: No, you're gonna have to suffer through it. But god oh, damn it! Just, but but we may end up pod early, just because like the, the conversation has been the way I see it. Um, you attempting to inoculate yourself from <laughs> the prospect of having to listen. To Dane Cook. <laughs> this has been some ADD shit that I pulled out of my ass for this <laughs> one. <laughs> but you're like there. You're the doctor with the syringe. You're tapping it. And you're like, well, if I got to listen to that, I don't All right, let's do it. Wait, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk, do it. Let's <laughs> Let's <laughs> This
0: is going to be the longest episode in jokes history just because I don't want to listen to Dane Cook. Put them on. Put them on. Okay. We'll just put all them all on. on. And then we'll hold talk on, about hold it for on, a minute.
3: Hold on. hold on. Let me just sure. I
1: want to see... <laughs> How long this is gonna be? It uh, uh, doesn't look like it's gonna be that long, though. Okay, fine, it's gonna be less fine. than two minutes, man. It's gonna be less than two minutes. Can you do All it? All right, let's here I can do it.
0: Hang on, let me just fucking put the knife away. All right, we're good. I,
2: uh, I'm in a new club, by the way. I'm in a new club, and uh, I don't know if you're a first timer like I am. I'm in the. Uh, I just dropped my cell phone in my own piss club. Have you done that? Yeah. Yeah, good times. I'm on, the, I'm on the phone. I forget that I'm using shoulder technique. Urinals were taken, so I went in to use the regular John. And as I'm standing there mid-conversation, I was like, are you serious? And it just started to toboggan right down my powerful chest. And I was like, ah, ah. I was trying to get it. And then it hit my big, fat cock. And when something hits that, lost cause. What happened next was nothing short of amazing. Let me just tell you what happened. First of all, um, the, I, you know, I had a, it was a hearty piss. Can I just say that it was kind of a soup broth looking piss. It had a hue to it, you know. It was lovely, if I can say that. What happened next, I could never do again. Even if everybody here pooled their money and said, "Dame, we just put fourteen thousand five hundred dollars together. Do that again." I couldn't do this again. Just the trajectory of the way my phone dove into the piss, the moment it connected, one drop shot up into my eye. Hit me dead center in the retina, at which point I said, oh, piss in my eye. Not good. I had to tell myself this was not a good situation. Piss in my eye, I don't care for this. The
3: crazy thing was
1: hot and cold at the same time, too, which I didn't. That's it. We got
0: through it. We made it. And here's here's what I'll say. This is what I'll say about Dan Cook. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. First thing is, you know, there's something about Boston that when you're coming out of that scene, you're going to have a little bit of the douchebaggery that's kind of wiped away. Because there is such a thing as a Boston douchebag, but a Boston douchebag isn't, isn't an awful, you know, douchebag in terms of they're just kind of like a little bit too gnarled. You know what I mean? Like, there's like, I don't know, a thing about Boston. So like, like there isn't no substance to him whatsoever. Right. But the second he does a joke for a girl scream, it, it loses me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I beat my chest for whatever, and now you've got a girl scream. And a comedy show is no place. It's like, it's like when I went to – Yan- so built a new Yankee Stadium, and my sister was the first to go, and she texted all of us and said, there's a boy eating sushi right in front of me. Like, he ordered sushi <laughs> at a baseball game. And I was like, I'm not going for a year. I banned it. I was like, there's no way. You know, you don't get sushi at a fucking baseball game. Like, what is wrong with this world? That's how it feels like. So screaming at a comedy show, like a girl scream at a comedy show is sushi at a baseball game. It doesn't, it doesn't belong there at all, you know? So you kind of get like what he's going for. On the other hand, you do have to kind of also say that like, there is a part in Eddie Murphy's Raw where he's acting like he's in a fight and he turns and he, he rips his kind of leather jacket open. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And he's bare chested underneath and he gets a scream out of it. And, like, I don't have as much beef with him about it because he's already brilliant. You know, there's other things to kind of have beef with in those shows because a lot that happens in both Delirious and Raw do not, like, stand up the test of time. (laughs) I mean, he's, like, homophobic out the wazoo, you know? So, like, that's, like, a big... You just... You can't really follow that so much. But, like, that part, you know, you still recognize he's brilliant. He's an absolutely brilliant comedian. And so he can get away with, like... I'm, I'm going to be a sex symbol for like just a minute because and then I'm going to go back to not being one. And that's kind of his trajectory. Like he was one, he wasn't one, he was one, he wasn't one. You know what I mean? Like he just kind of had this ability to go back and forth, but you always knew there was substance there. Um, with Chris D'Elia, there's none with Dane Cook. I feel like there's a little bit. Does that make sense? Like it's a little bit. Yeah,
1: no, I, I do. You know? I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think, I think there was, um, there's a salvageable premise to this joke. It should not have been um, a minute and 49 seconds or whatever it was. It could have been yeah. a minute
3: yeah,
1: and it could have been just as funny and it could have been more compact. It's there. Yeah. It's a joke. It's a joke. And it's a valid joke. It's pretty yeah. sound in the way that it's done, but I-, yeah. I don't disagree with you. I, I, I think that, I mean, one of the things I was going to point out was like, you hear, the the cheering, like not just the, the as you put it, the girl scream, but like the people are just loving this. Like yeah. they think it's hilarious. Yeah. And you know, who might blow you know, fifty million Elvis fans can't be wrong. You know, fifty million Trump voters can't be wrong, right? I mean, it just who might blow gets the wind.
0: They they can be though. You know, yeah, exactly. I'm not saying the Elvis people were wrong, but Elvis was appropriating a whole style of music that you could find much better versions of somewhere else. Sure. Know? But that was the only place where those folks were going to get it.
1: Well, um, really, white people weren't going to buy black music.
3: No,
0: no, but they were going to buy a white version of it, you know? Exactly. Um, so that's kind of what was going on there. Like, fucking, you know, you start looking at some of the other stuff. Like, I, you know... I've seen Carrot Top Show. He's come up before, you know, and I didn't enjoy it like at all. Um, But also, I'm not like a, I don't really love prop. Like, I loved prop comedy when I was 10 because I was fucking 10. And that's like what made me laugh when I was 10. And I can like kind of get his ingenuity and like building all this shit. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, (laughs) like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come here for prop comedy.
3: Right. But you know, by the way.
1: yeah, he's making five million dollars a month in Vegas. Like, who are we to really piss on him? Other than it's not our taste and it's not what we like, but it does sell. What are your, What are your thoughts on Sandler and Adam Sandler? <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. Yeah, you're going to force me into a third beer. I don't know how to how to deal with a third beer. As <laughs> Father's Day. That's fine. Cha cha cha
0: cha like, what the fuck <laughs> you for real
1: my red hooded sweatshirt. like is this supposed to be funny okay yes all right so um, <laughs> I uh, I don't remember what uh, for some reason I came I happened across a, a bit for oh it was the Lawrence Taylor bit from Waterboy <laughs> did you ever see Waterboy no.
3: <laughs>
1: okay. No. All right. And there, <coughs> I'm it, not a fan. I, I I can understand that. Yeah. And, um,
3: I think Adam Sandler is more layered than, uh, uh,
1: than perhaps even I'm willing to give him credit for. But at the same time, the stuff that was selling. And the stuff that continues to sell to some degree um the water boy the um uh, what was it um name any number of movies I mean they're kind of yeah. the same movie done over and over again yeah. um with the same expectation A- and the characters that he does are not even close to being like realistic or Even comical, they are just preposterous. He's just making stuff up on the fly. And and when you say that the accent, you know, the the accents that you're mocking, like just now, yeah, it's just it's totally ridiculous. um, Very fratty type stuff, right? I mean, that's maybe the the issue to take with it. At the same time, if you see things like Punch Drunk Love or, um, you know, some of his, or funny people. I think he was good in that. Um, Under the control of Jed Apatow, I suppose. Um, Of course. But even there, like, you know, no one's
0: going to sit out there and like, you know, talk about Adam Sandler, the master actor. You know, Punch Drunk Love is a great movie. I really liked it, but it's still just Adam Sandler being a different version of Adam Sandler.
1: A little bit of a different version, more subdued, more controlled version yeah um i have not seen uncut gems
0: me neither me neither yeah i mean, I haven't seen it either
1: maybe i will maybe i won't i i don't know And, and again adam sandler has such a rich history you have to look also at his comedy albums and uh you know the characters that he would play in those i mean a lot of it was very much like playing to the to the douchey college kid. And some of it I found very funny. Yeah, he's playing, he's playing his greatest hits. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, he's playing his uh, um, Hanukkah song. You know what I mean? Red hooded sweatshirt, all that stuff. And, um, you know, everyone's, you know, doing the line, smoke your marijuana, you know, because that's the one that everyone knows for sure. You right. know what I mean? Like, loves um, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. You know, but it's I don't like I don't sit there like, you know, like stone faced if I like go to a show like that because someone I'm with wants to go to a show like that. Like I'll I'll find the humor and kind of enjoy it just because like I don't, I'm not really interested in being a stick in the mud. Um, but at the same time, like I wouldn't, you know, seek out his comedy. You know what I mean? Like he came to my college like he played a show in my college um, and I totally could have gone. But I didn't go because i already knew i already knew like i was already into comedy and he wasn't he wasn't my
1: kind of guy you know yeah he but, he, de- he definitely hit uh a sort of mainstream that a lot of comics don't with his stand-up and his stand-up yeah. was some of the guitar you know playing that stuff and also um you know his uh his studio bits like he did the um the buffoon did you ever listen to those bits the buffoon no like the it, it what he does is he 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 created this ridiculous character that's um loud and abrasive and off topic and the mm-hmm. first buffoon bit and his first album is with conan o'brien and i think it's the buffoon um meets with a college admissions officer and <laughs> uh at one you know the, Adam Sandler saying shit like I bet you got really hairy balls (laughs) and Conan O'Brien is playing the straight man's like, you know, and just trying to maintain some civility in the face of this preposterous creation of, uh, or, you know, the the lines are things that um, a 10 year old, Boy would come up with like, yeah. yeah. When my dad takes a shit, it stinks up the house all fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. like, apropos yeah. of nothing, but yep. so ridiculous. It's just something that's thrown out there, and and I understand right. why people don't like him or don't right. like his humor. I totally get it. I right, think there's right. some good stuff in it, and I think that right. there is some garbage. That just really, yeah, you know, yeah. isn't great.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, I, it's funny. Like, I try to kind of check myself with uh, comedians like that in terms of like, am I really judging them for what they're bringing to the table, or am I, you know, judging them based off of who I perceive like, like likes them? You know, and if I don't like the people that tend to like them. And maybe that's the sign that I shouldn't like that comment, you know? And so like back in my college days, when it's all the frat boys walking around in their white hats, you know, their, their white fucking baseball hats or whatever, like different universities and all this stuff. Like, you know, I, I, uh, I wasn't going to like the, the, the shit that they like. Like I just wasn't. And, you know, that's why now, like I've probably reverse engineered a reason as to why, which is like, you know, I I want it to be, you know, I want there to be at least some mastery to it. But at the same time, like, you know, put on Maria Bamford. Maria Bamford's got a joke where she just makes a fart noise for like two and a half minutes. And um, that's all, all she does, you know. And, and, I, and I'm dying. You know, the rest of her humor is brilliant and vulnerable and incredible and all that stuff and can never be funny to a frat boy because how could they possibly understand the perspective that she's coming from? Um, but at the same time, like, all my favorite comedians also have jokes that are just pretty dumb and it's just for the dumb of it, you know? So like in a way, like this is like, in a, like almost like an elitist call, like, you know, am I, you know what I mean? Like,
1: and, and, who am and, I looking just, down on
0: here? Yeah, yeah. And to
1: some extent, I think it's, it's unfair to generalize that, you know, that, that there is this class and a frat boy. I think you and I know what that meant back in the day. It was the yeah. white hats and the khakis and that kind of thing. But yeah. also, you know, there was for me, I don't I don't know if you've recognized that I have this bit of quality in me, is that I really <laughs> want to relate to everybody. Yeah. So like taking on, you know, listening closely to like, hmm, why do they like this uh this uh medium pace song by Adam Sandler? You know, yeah. oh it's the part about the shampoo bottle up his ass. I find that to be humorous. Yeah, and so I, I'm not going to reject it completely out of hand. I think there's some funny stuff in there. I think some of it's pretty base, but you know what he did that others didn't do? He did it. He actually did it and got it out there. Yeah. And a lot of his SNL stuff still is enduring, if not, um, you know, if not earth shattering things like uh cajun man and opera man i mean
0: yeah cajun man was pretty funny opera man was pretty funny too you know cajun man was pretty funny though every yeah. everything had every word had to end with like a t-i-o-n you know <laughs> <laughs> operational you know the other brilliant thing that he did that you kind of have to appreciate is he's the king of like coming up with movies <laughs> that basically are just going to be him and his real life buddies going and hanging traveling. Out somewhere traveling and hanging out somewhere fucking amazing, playing basketball and just shooting the shit and making a movie. Like he's like the king of like, this is how we're going to do it. You know? And you got to appreciate that, you know, that kind of mindset and approach. Um, And he brought his buddies along. Like he made a lot of people, a lot of money, you know, just tonight,
1: just tonight, like David Spade tweeted a photo of him, Sandler and Schneider. At the beach, like they they hang out. Like, I mean, Corona time. so what? Yeah, (laughs) they're they're with each other for sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: So I don't know. I mean, you know, there's this like you called it like the frat boy comics versus sort of like the more socially awkward side or whatever. Yeah,
1: the bro comic, Um, right? The yeah. Or as I I know, one a friend of mine used to refer to it as. To this classification, this like it, his pejorative term was the sweet bro or the sweet bras, yeah. and I was like, why are you call them sweet bras? Because they always go sweet bra, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> those those guys, and then and then you can kind of like compare and contrast them to the UCB comics, right? Like um, the Nerdist crew, um, mm-hmm. you know the your. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani's and and you know Kumail and Emily and their podcast the Indoor Kids and they're doing material about video games and you know just kind of being nerds or whatever and then look at some of those other guys we talked about Paul F. Tompkins who's kind of like a part of that crew or whatever and, and what's interesting is like it's kind of like that divide is like very real because there are definitely comics that don't cross the boundary between one or the other you know but like the best comics and the ones that like you and I celebrate the most actually go back and forth. Like they can totally be hilarious in one setting and be hilarious in another setting, and and it totally works, you know. And then the the best comics are the one that cross all the boundaries, which right. is why like Burr is, Burr is my favorite
1: because right. Burr
0: can kill. I was bring NBC him up. Dude. He's
1: he's superlatively independent in his approach. He's come up every episode we've talked about.
0: You yeah. know, I mean, every I've, I've brought him up every single episode. Um, So, like, uh, you know, obviously, he's my favorite. But when you think about him, like, he can do UCB. He can do the main rooms of any club. He can go and play a, you know, a, a historically black show and kill in that audience. He can kill. go overseas yep. and kill overseas. He can kill. And when I say overseas, he can kill. He can kill in Great Britain. He can kill in non-English speaking countries. He
3: can kill in you know, Norway.
0: he He can kill in Norway. He can kill in Poland. He can fucking kill in Germany. You know, he he just and he doesn't change his material he just knows how to connect with the audience in a way that like works in every space even when he's like purposefully disconnecting in order to reconnect you know and you know that's when you look at it it's like and he talks about it where he's like you're killing yourselves by not stretching yourselves to go play these rooms you think i was like able to play the black rooms like first time i went no you have to die a few times before you figure it out, you You're know? Yeah. 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 But you have to really push yourself to do it, you know, but at the same time, it's like, could Paul F. Tompkins really play like, a, you know, I'm not even sure Paul F. Tompkins can play like a regular. room. <laughs> yeah, that's I like what he store. does. Is he, yeah. His fans like call him up and he does a show and he just plays for his fans, you right. know, <laughs> like as brilliant as I think he is, like, I'm not so sure he could just go to an audience that doesn't know him. And for sure hit you know but uh well
1: you talk about burrow you can also look at Chappelle, who is certainly is not everyone's taste and his you know and i'm not i'm not gonna even talk about 846 that's that's a that's a piece of that's a that's a picasso that probably 100 you know he's have separation but even in in the midst of that (laughs) You know, he said, I have some pussy jokes coming. Yeah. Yeah. He recognizes, like, okay, I got, you know, like, this is, I know what I'm doing, but I don't want to lose you completely. I got to keep, I got to keep it carrying. And he's still the comedian at heart, trying to connect with everybody. Um, Yeah. That's, that's a superior, um, that's a superior approach.
0: The feeling, the feeling that I get from Chappelle. Uh, is that like did you ever see his inside the actor studio?
1: Yes, I did. Where he was smoking through the whole thing.
0: Yeah. It's brilliant, right? Yeah, it is. How do I was he it I watched a, story it a couple behind times? It? What's
3: there's
1: that?
0: a there's a whole story behind how that went down. No, I don't know the story behind it. So he was scheduled to go on, but something happened with this plane that he was meant to fly down on to go on. And And first thing that happened was the people were there and he just wasn't there. So they showed two of his specials and then he finally, they fixed the plane and they were like, all right, folks go home, come back. We'll record at three in the morning. So everybody went home, came back and they recorded that whole show at like three in the morning.
1: That's bananas.
0: And he was like brilliant, like unbelievably brilliant on that show and hilarious. And the impression that you get from just watching that is that that's just who he is. Like, yeah. he's brilliant and hilarious. So he's always going to present that way. And when you compare and contrast him to someone like Dalia and then Dane Cook as like maybe a less worse version of Dalia, the impression you get is that maybe they're the smartest of all of their dumbass friends. <laughs> and that's why they kind of got to be the funniest because
1: and i'm I'm always I'm much more hesitant than you are to characterize people in that way, but i I don't disagree necessarily <laughs> I think there's an aesthetic to it yeah and, and or a lack of aesthetic that yeah. that just comes along with it because people there certain people you know people don't want to be thrown too far out of their comfort zone generally right. speaking and so right. i i no comfort zone is my life. Like, I don't mind being thrown out of it. But yeah. if people want some comfort food, they want to have some funny stuff yeah, yeah. that doesn't challenge them too much, then Dane yeah. Cook's perfectly fine. Yeah. right.
0: I don't, mind, I don't mind not being challenged. You know, I just want to, I, I like, I really like it when a comedian kind of introduces, like, talking about a thing in a new way. You know, like, so, um, and we got to bring this to a close and it's like, like almost 11,
1: <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to edit
0: 20, 30 minutes out of this, but we'll yeah, save it yeah, we, for later. We'll say, I, I think there's a lot of good shit in here, but I was going to say, uh, Pete Holmes, who's another one of my favorite comedians and one of his more recent specials has a bit about sleep where he's like, what's sleep. And it just starts with like, this, that is a question. And he's like, now imagine just like explaining sleep to an alien. You know, that the alien comes down and you're like, uh, you know, I, I don't remember exactly how it says, but something like, you know, you're like comparing like how your biologies work and you're like, yeah, you know, so like I eat food, you know, throughout the day and then my body converts the food to energy and then uh, every uh, 12 hours or so, I just shut it down, you know, <laughs> and it's just like I just shut it down and then the alien's like, what do you mean shut it down? And I just lay down and shut it down, shut it all down. And how long do you do that for? Oh, about eight to 10 hours, you know, through the night. And the alien's like, well, isn't that boring? And he goes, no, I, my, my brain shows
1: movies in my head. Starring <laughs> <Sorry>, me. <laughs> I, I literally don't, I literally don't notice it. I literally don't notice it. Yeah, exactly.
0: See what I mean? Like, like that's like, um, all he's doing is describing how sleep works, but he's doing it from the perspective of like, Imagine just explaining it to an alien, and ha- and then it's like, it, aren't our bodies ridiculous? And uh, you know, and it's a it's a very kind of baseline discussion of you know what's crazy about sleep. You know, it's like observational, all that stuff. But it's like taking it from a really unique angle. That's pretty fucking funny. And I'm not like being challenged by it. You know, I'm not like questioning my white privilege or anything like that by hearing it. But like when I hear it, I'm like. That's a, that's a funny, fresh perspective of how to describe sleep. And it sticks with you,
1: you know what I mean? Well, so. it, and again, it's one of those things that is part of your everyday life. And it points out the fact that you're so dumb, you don't think about it. You're just a dummy, you're yeah. not thinking about it. Like, yeah. You, yeah. you should think about it, but, but why yeah. should I? I'm just sleeping, who cares? Yeah. No, it's silly.
0: I once had that moment uh, about clapping. You know, where I was like, I found myself clapping and I was just like, what in the, why am I doing this? I'm just smashing my hands together and making a sound that like, show, we probably, I feel like we've talked about this before, but it just like shows we, approval. Yeah, like, what is that? You know? Yeah, I know. It's like, what am I doing right now?
3: <laughs> why am I doing this?
0: <laughs> Do you remember, uh, this, this will be our last thing and then we'll go out. Do you remember the sarcastic clapping family?
1: No, I don't. I don't. I think that what was, was that an that SNL from? skit.
0: I think it was an SNL skit, and it was it was literally that, where like you know, one person would say something, and that person would be like, you know, nice <laughs> joke decision, Eric, real nice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> who <laughs> was in that? Clap.
0: I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. But uh, oh. it's pretty. I, I like that one. I I come back to that one on occasion. It's a fun one.
1: That's good. Well, take us home, man. This has been weird. I think that I wanted to bring up some, some challenging, you know, some, some stuff that might be controversial or not controversial, or just kind of like, eh, why did we even talk about that? Well, we went off on some interesting tangents and uh, it's hard to find. It's hard to find material these days because of, I don't know. I feel like there's this social upheaval going on and what we uh, even? yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe this is part of, like, the, the uh, peeling of the carrot. Like, we got to get rid of certain skin in order to get to what's valuable.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a funny kind of, like, um, you know, am I being, like, racist by being righteous in like, not thinking that, like, you know, an African-American person would want to just, like, shoot the shit about something not related to what the fuck is going on in the world. Well, like, they, I, I, I the answer this, to
1: that is yes and they would <laughs>
0: of course like i found this uh like video that i shared with you um about uh the poop hole
1: loophole yeah, that was awesome can i watch it in public
0: and that's the, <laughs> if you get a chance to google poop hole loophole or whatever search it up on youtube enjoy yourself it's a funny ass video but i shared it with dre and uh he was like uh um, you know, that's hilarious. And what the what the fuck is going on there? And for a second, I I felt guilty sharing with him. I was like, ah, he doesn't want to see this right now. It's, you know, the whole world. And I was like, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, that was racist for me to even think that. That, like, he wouldn't, like, want to joke around for just a minute. Just a minute, you know? Get, like, your mind off of a thing. But, uh, yeah. It's funny. Alright, I'll take us out. And then we'll, all right. uh... Alright, so thanks everybody for joining us on Jokes. I uh, hope you enjoyed this, uh, <laughs> Most
1: ridiculous episode so far. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome.
3: You're
0: welcome, always to find,
1: some, find some garbage to talk about.
0: So. Here's the benefit, though. Yo, if this podcast were, like, really famous, it'd be a thing tomorrow because we just trash talk two comedians. <laughs> if
1: we did. You we know? Did. We just shat on them. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right.
0: We'd be getting, like, Twitter call-outs <laughs> and everything at this point and then having to, like, what are respond. You, you yeah. know? I didn't mean the, da, 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 you know, sorry. And then like, you know, Dane Cook would be a guest,
1: you know, <laughs> right. he's like, Hey, Hey, you know, I know what I am. Well,
3: yeah, I good. <laughs> Anyway,
0: like us, uh, 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 review us, uh, um, subscribe to us, share this podcast with your friends and, uh, you know, uh, thank you for listening and we hope to, uh, see you uh, next time on jokes where we uh, do a, a dick joke. It's time for a good dick joke.
1: Yeah, I, I think one. we need at least a fart joke
0: something. I got a dick joke. I got a dick joke. You oh, good? good. Okay. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yep. All right. I'm excited. Anyway, next time, dick joke. <laughs> Oops. Sorry.